I'm hoping I don't have to rely on my notes too much because it rained and uh, <laughs> they got a bit crumpled. It must have that thing's going to stand up. So, um, yeah, I feel this morning I feel like I'm preaching to myself as well as to you guys um, about a topic that I've really tried to understand in the last couple of months, and that topic is fear in the Lord. And I'm hoping it's going to be um, applicable to believers and non-believers. First of all, to believers in the way that we think of God, the way that we act around God, but to non-believers in the same way that they might see a part of God that they've never even thought existed before. And so I want to talk to you about the fear of God, but when I used to read the Bible, it's split into two, as we said earlier today, Old Testament and New Testament. I used to read it and think the Old Testament was about a God who was angry, a God that wanted justice and he would punish his people, and I thought, yeah, go him. And then the New Testament was a God of love, and he was really, really nice. And I thought, okay, I live in the New Testament times, so it's a God of love. But then the more I read the Bible now, the more I see it's the same God in the Old Testament as in the New He's a, he's a God of love all the way through. He, he wants mercy and he wants justice out of his love. Everything comes out of love. And we're called to fear God in the old and we're called to fear God in the new. So how do, how do I make that in my own life? What do I do about it? So if you've got a Bible with you, turn to Malachi 4, verse 2. Malachi is the last, uh, last book of the Old Testament. It's actually where I'm going to conclude today. Because I'm jumping about all over the place, it might be more helpful if you've actually just got the verse there. So that's Malachi 4, verse 2. So with fear... What do I start? So when, when, I was, when I was younger, I used to play for a football team and my manager used to get us all together and he'd say, when you go in for a football challenge, never show fear. Don't show fear. You go in as hard as you possibly can. Take the player out if you can't get the ball. Just destroy them. Because if you show fear, it's a weakness. You know, I don't say animals can smell fear or humans can smell fear as well. They know when you're afraid, don't they? So, so I tried to apply that to the whole, whole part of my life. So everywhere I went, I wasn't going to show fear. If I was scared of anything, no one's going to know. But then I read the Bible, and the Bible tells me to fear one thing, and that one thing is the Lord. So how do I weigh up my earthly experience with what the Bible says? What do I do about it to make me be able to live my life as God wants me to live it? So we're going to start in Acts chapter 4. You don't have to start, um, get there. Just going to give you a whistle-stop tour of what's been happening in the beginning of Acts. I think it's the most perfect time to have lived. Um, probably, arguably, not the most perfect time to live. Before the fall might have been the most perfect time to live. But... Just imagine, Jesus Christ has come, he's died on the cross, he's gone back to spend time with his father, and you've got some scared disciples just hanging around in a room thinking, what's happening next? The Holy Spirit comes upon them from God, which was a promise from Jesus. They've gone from being scared and terrified to being courageous and strong. They go out in the streets and they start to preach the gospel. Thousands of people like that come to know Jesus Christ. Thousands of people say, I want to believe in Jesus. The church wasn't even existent, and now it's massive. It's grown like it's never grown before. People are living in, each out, in, and, in and out of each other's houses. They're loving one another. They're sharing everything. They're selling possessions. No one is without want. There's even a bloke called Barnabas at the end of chapter 4, and he, he has a piece of land, and he decides to sell the land and take the money and lay it down at the apostles' feet. And the apostle was Peter, and he's basically the bloke that started the church. And he's basically saying, everything I have, I give to you. You give it to the church. The church is God's. Everything's God's. Amazing. Hallelujah. That was it. Everyone was loving each other. In the beginning of chapter 5, it goes a bit wrong. There's a, a couple called Ananias and Sapphira, and they've clearly seen what Barnabas has done, and they think, good bloke, good bloke. He's obviously getting a bit of praise from men. People are saying, you see what Barnabas has done? He's given all his money to the church. What, what a man. What a man. You know, he's brilliant. And they think, I want a bit of that. I want a bit of praise. We all want praise, don't we? And they wanted it. So, so they, went and, they went and decided to, to do the same thing. So they got a piece of land, but they only sold a part of it. Not all of it. And they gave a part of the money to the apostle. 
just a part of it. But the thing is, they said they'd given it all. They wanted people to, sh people to see that they were giving everything just like Barnabas was. So Ananias comes in without his wife and lays it down at Peter's feet as in, you know, here you go, this is the money. And he looks at him and just says, you're not just lying to me, you're lying to God. He falls down, he's dead. People carry him out and he buries him. A few hours later, his wife, Sapphira, comes in. She doesn't know he's died. Peter says to him, you know, did you give all the money? She said, yes. She falls down, she's dead as well. She's carried out and buried where her husband was a few hours before. It sounds horrific, and it is horrific. The thing is that Ananias and Sapphira were not killed by God. They were not judged by God because they only sold a piece of their land. They were not judged by God because they only gave a piece of the money. They were judged by God because they desired the praise of man over the praise of God. They wanted to be praised by the created over the creator. They didn't care about God in that situation. They didn't respect him. They didn't fear him. But it says after that that great fear came upon the church and upon those who believed. Great fear. People actually had an awareness of who God was. The thing is, if you want praise from man, you will fear man. If you fear man, you will serve man because you serve who you fear. Ananias and fear. They wanted praise from man, so they feared man. They wanted everything from man. Because they wanted everything from man, they're going to serve him. Because you serve who you fear. That's just how we live. But what is fear? We're going to whip back into the Old Testament now. And there's a bloke called Moses who's standing at the bottom of his mountain called Mount Sinai. And he's standing there with the people of Israel. And they're looking up at this mountain and God is manifesting on it. Basically, his glory is coming down on this mountain so that he can meet with the people. And there's, there's clouds, there's thunder, there's lightning. It's all really scary, like a blockbuster movie, but real life. You know, they're, they're standing there and they're probably looking up thinking, this is terrifying. What do we do? And Moses is like, let's go. And the people are like, no, we don't want to go. We don't want to go up there. You know, you go and speak to God. God can speak to you and you can speak to us. That's nice. That, that's the way it should be. They wanted Moses to be the middle man, the mediator, the one to be the go-between. So Moses just goes. He goes and spends time with God and he seeks God. The thing is, Moses, out of fear of the Lord, approached him. And the people being afraid shrank back. I don't believe that fear is the same as being afraid. I don't think God wants us to be huddled in a corner with a rug over our face, terrified not looking at him. I don't think he wants that. He wants us to approach him out of fear, realising that he is above everything else, that nothing on this earth compares to who he is. And by approaching him, we can have a relationship with him. The difference is Moses met with God and the people didn't meet with God. We're called to meet with God. We're called for fellowship. We're called for community. We're called for friendship. Psalm 25, 14 said, Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. Moses, at that point, was the only friend of the Lord. Because none of the others feared him. They were just afraid. So if you're there at Malachi 4, verse 2, hopefully, it says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go out like calves leaping from the stool. It's one of my favourite verses. I just love it. it just, Malachi is the last prophetic book in the Old Testament. And it's at a time where everything's going wrong. God's saying, you know, you're not trusting me. You're not believing in me. I'm going to have a period of silence where I'm just not going to speak to you. So that you realise what you've done. But he leaves this promise that Jesus is going to come. Which is seen in Malachi 4 verse 2 as the son of righteousness. But I want to focus on the, the bit where it says, you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Just imagine some calves, they've been born in a stable or a barn or wherever you get calves and they've got to stay in this barn for a certain amount of time because their immune system's got to grow or something like that. And then, <laughs> and then I'm, not, I'm no farmer. So, okay, so, so then the farmer comes along and he opens the gate and the calf sort of tentatively sort of gets to the threshold and looks out and there's new sights, there's new smells. They would say the grass is green on the other side but it's 
blooming green to the calf right now. You know, thinking, oh, it's grass. You know, I've never seen grass before. And it gets out there, and it's in these new pastures. And in the end, it's running around thinking, this is the greatest thing. You know, if another cow comes up to him and says, cool, this isn't very good, is it? He's like, what are you talking about? This is amazing. This is incredible. You know, it, it, it's just, it would be so exciting. It's new pastures, new times, new sights, new smells. I believe this is, this is a promise for the church. I believe we have new pastures. Pastures in salvation, pastures in the miraculous, pastures in bridges into the community. I believe we've had promises from God that are our new pastures and that we're going to run in them and we're going to think, this is incredible. If anyone comes up to us and says, this is very good, is it? You can say, no, it's amazing. It's incredible. That's what it's going to be like. But I also believe that we can forget about them. I think we can forget about promises. I think we can forget about salvation, forget about his promises, forget about bridges in the community, unless we fear his name. It says, but for you who fear my name. It doesn't say, you're going to go out like Carl's leaping from the stool, the son of righteousness is going to come and heal you in his wings, and then you're going to fear my name. It says, but for you who fear my name. Therefore, logically, if you do not fear the name of God, you will not be brought into his promises. You might see part of them, but individually and corporately, we're not going to be brought into the fulfilment of what he has for us. That's how important it is. There might be some of you here thinking, what this got to do with me? I don't believe in God. I'm just here, just trying to find out more. I think it's got everything to do with you. I want to go back to the praise with Ananias and Sapphira. I think there's nothing wrong with wanting praise from someone. I think intrinsically, every single man and woman wants praise. We want to be valued by people. We want to be filled that we have some worth to somebody. And we seek that praise wherever we can get it. We want praise from family, from parents, from brothers and sisters, from employers, from colleagues, from friends, from husbands, from wives, from our children. We want praise from people because otherwise we think, what's the point of us being here? And I don't think that's wrong. Problem is, we get praise from the places where it doesn't satisfy. I must say, I've never, when I've desired praise from somebody in this world, it often hasn't come. If it has come, it hasn't come how I needed it. If it did come how I needed it, five minutes later, I wanted more. You know, it's, it's, never been, it's never been enough. It's never satisfied me. But God praises his child. God is the only one who can, who can satisfy. He's the only one that lavishes his children with love and mercy. There's nothing wrong with desiring praise. You've just got to desire the praise from the right thing. In the Bible, it talks about Ezekiel and Daniel, and it says they fell on their face as if dead. These are two prophets. Also talks about John, who fell on the floor as if dead. These people, they fell on the floor because they realised how much greater God was than anything else. They wanted the praise from God, therefore they feared God. Because they feared God, they served God. Because you serve who you fear. I'm just going to end in pr um, a prayer, and then Steph's going to come do his stuff. So, yeah, Lord God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you, you're the creator of the universe, but you come and you have a relationship with every single one of us. Lord, and I just pray that you reveal yourself to us more. Lord, I pray that every single one of us, believer or non-believer, can understand that nothing in this world can satisfy. Lord, you are the only one that we want praise from. You're the only one we want to serve. Lord, and I just pray over this week, Lord, that we're just going to have an, a greater awareness of how great you are. An awareness of how you are the one that needs to be feared. You are the one who needs to be respected. And you are the one who can bring us into the promises that you have given to us. Lord, we love you. We, just, we really love you. Lord, we want to focus on you today. Amen.